0: Well, happy Wednesday, everybody. Uh, My name is Dan Taylor, and we are here today on the EcDev Network uh, with our special uh, guest, uh, Broderick Green. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping and then we can get right into the call. Um, For those that are unfamiliar with the format, uh, some simple stuff, um, if you wish to come up to the stage and ask a question or just engage. There's a hand over what looks like a tablet. You press that uh, and we'll bring you on up. Uh, please follow anybody that you see uh, in the show today. Uh, there's a plus sign at the bottom. If you want to invite anybody, uh, do so. Uh, should you come up to the, um, to the stage, uh, there's a microphone button. You'll come up unmuted, I believe. So make sure you mute yourself just so that there's no background. Uh, noise. Um, as a uh, as a reminder, we do record these events, so uh, be aware of that. And then we turn it into a podcast that we we share out uh, onto the onto the internet. Um, and normally, uh, we're joined by Bob Minhas and Lara Fritz, my two uh, co-hosts. Uh, Bob has a summer engagement on Wednesdays, and Lara is doing some volunteering actually to help a friend of hers. In wisconsin so uh, i'm flying solo again this wednesday which is which is fine and um lara was kind enough to uh invite broderick so i'm going to invite him to come up on, uh and chat on stage and maybe he could just give a little introduction on on who he is and his, his background and then we'll get into it thanks broderick
1: sure uh thank, thanks dan uh broderick green Uh, I'm currently a senior manager, economic development with Amazon, uh, but pretty much my entire career has been in economic development in one form or another. Um, So happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: That's great. And uh, we're gonna do like a little bit of a quick fire here to to kick us off. Um, What's the most important thing uh, that you look at when assessing communities, Broderick? um
1: a solution oriented mindset uh you know i i I like people who come to the table with you know flexibility um you know willing to try to solve problems uh if 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 we can start there we can figure out the rest of it you know beyond that
0: that sounds great I, i i love that i um often you know, there's this conflict sometimes between, um, you know, planning and economic development. I think most economic developers have that mindset you're talking about and um, and not to pick on planning, but I think the, the language that we use in economic development is, you know, how can we help you, you know, or how can we help you solve that problem? And often in other parts of the bureaucracy, it's uh, we put barriers up or no, this doesn't fit the criteria. Would, it, would you care to elaborate on any experience you've had with that? And, and have you been able to resolve that uh, in your career?
1: You know, it's, it, it's interesting. I mean, each community sort of approaches it differently, but you, you kind of touched on it is that, um, you know, there's certainly rules that need to be followed and regulations that need to be adhered to. And so no concerns with people doing their job and doing it well. But a lot of times uh, from the economic development perspective, there are often unique scenarios that are being presented that may not always fit into a box or into a certain category. So so people who can understand that and, and still try to figure out a way to successfully move a project forward um, in light of sort of the rules and regulations that are in place is, is helpful. You know, there's, there's nothing funnier sometimes than having that initial kickoff meeting and you have someone like a like a code official come in and they, 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 they're they walking in with 10 different ways to say no um, versus let's hear the situation, let's figure out if we can work with it. If ultimately the, the answer is no, then so be it. But let's not start the conversation off with all the things that can't be done.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's this open mindset that, uh, you know, are we, regardless of our job, if we're in the broad, say, municipal or economic environment, planning, building, etc., you know, can can we or how can we or what can we do? And then I couldn't agree more. You know, if the answer is no, mm-hmm. the answer is no. But at least we've explored all the options, which I think yeah probably plays to what you're talking about, which is a solutions-oriented mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay, uh, not to put you on the spot, but uh, true or false, the downtown office is dead. What are your What are your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> um, short answer: I think it's false. Uh, I don't think it's dead, but it will definitely be different. Um, it, it's it's uh, every community is going to have to assess for themselves what that means. But I don't think it's dead. I just think it will look very different than what we're used to over the past, you know, two three decades.
0: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more um, and, and we don't have to dive too deep in it. I don't want to put you on the spot. I also invited Jay up and he may want to chime in in a moment. But what what do you think different looks like? What what, what Either what are you seeing or what are you feeling or what's your best pro- projection moving forward?
1: You know, I think I mean, right now it feels like, you know, people are really trying to understand what's going to be the appetite for um uh, employees wanting to go back into an office, either full time or some sort of a hybrid mix of time sharing, uh, but there's still the the synergy that I think people benefit from being in that space. Not to mention sort of the ripple effects of the broader economy in the downtown. Um, you know, the the service workers, the restaurants, the dry cleaners um everything else that kind of ripples off of that so it the scale may change it may be smaller it may have a different ebb and flow in terms of when people are there but i still think there's a lot of value in having sort of this this core of a community um and 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 really trying to build around that in some sort of meaningful way
0: great and jay we've had a, a bit of a chat about this and i know this is certainly uh, somewhat in your What any any thoughts you want to share
2: well, Broderick is exactly right. I mean, it's it, in the short term, it's, it's going to be a, a hybrid. Um, but look, all you have to do is see what some of the big tech oligarchs are doing with investment decisions in urban areas like where I live in Atlanta and elsewhere. Um, they're actually buying space or developing space uh, because they know that uh, remote work on a permanent basis doesn't allow for that creative collision. So people are still gonna to have to come together and work and I'll tell you, you know, I'm not a I'm not a millennial, I am a baby boomer, but for the younger folks that are out there, the ones that are not going to go into work, I think are gonna have a difficult time getting promoted, getting elevated by not participating in that creative collision culture.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I I agree, Jay. It's it's um there there's still there's still the need for that interaction in some capacity. Now again, it, it may be more of a hybrid model initially, but this idea of sort of completely being detached from a core unit is I would argue might be a little difficult to sustain over time. Uh, but but there's there there's certainly some value and keeping, you know, that co- a core team in close proximity working together, and obviously it depends on on the industry, but there, there's 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 that dynamic environment of what you pick up on in those five minute conversations in the hallway, or you know, being able to kind of quickly check in with someone and huddle together to pull something to get to, to pull pull up a project uh, in place. That's still there's a lot of value in that.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll share an interesting, I don't know if it's an anecdote or not, but a bit of a story. So I am—I um, couldn't agree more. I, I, I totally believe in uh, like, uh, you know, molecules <laughs> uh, uh, or the creative collision that, that Jay is talking about. You know, it's tough to beat you know, human and in personal interaction. Um, I have a new boss that started in February. And I was actually in a live meeting with investors and he wasn't able to attend and he was on the screen. And I actually had to ask him if we had met yet um, because we spent, um, you know, quite a bit of time getting to know each other and learning each other's styles and working together on screen. And we hadn't and I still haven't met him yet. And so while I agree with you guys uh, at the same time, I'm I'm I've experienced at least in one, you know, fairly tight business relationship that. it hasn't made a big difference. I'm a, I'm a bit surprised as I'm sharing that with you. I don't know if, if you folks have any other thoughts on that, but uh, I just put that out there.
1: you know I mean Dan it's 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 a lot of it could be sort of framed by the industry right like I'm a firm believer that like economic development is a contact sport like you, you the 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 best way to really move forward and working with the community is getting out being able to go visit meet face to face, go meet people on their turf visit sites go visit buildings um, even even as a team being able to work together as a team on things is still very important um, but look most of us have had the opportunity to work remotely by choice or circumstance over the last 15 16 months and we've still been effective at doing our jobs um, It may not be ideal but we've certainly been able to, to still be effective in those roles so I think some of it's going to be the industry that we're that we're in. Um, but but the, yeah, that, that face-to-face interaction is valuable. You can still do the work remotely, um, and and and
0: still have some success. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, uh, I guess I'm not so rapid firing it, but I'm enjoying the conversation. I have a last, last but not <laughs> least rapid fire question for you. All right, the most important <laughs> partnership for economic development is.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> Having strong relationships with the stakeholders who control the variables you don't. So, what I mean by that is, you know, there are a lot of times, you know, we as economic developers, we don't control the variables in our communities by and large. So, really having close working relationships uh, with the people who do that would be, you know, your planning and zoning officials, your utilities, your workforce development boards, your schools, your universities. The realtors, I mean, anyone that that has sort of a role to play that may not even see themselves as part of the broader economic development team, building those relationships, having those in a good place um, can really give you a lot of the tools and resources that you need to be successful.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I, I often say. In almost every one of my roles, we, we've all, we've I've almost owned nothing, like my department or even our municipality. We haven't owned mm-hmm. anything, right? So, t- exactly what you're saying. There's mm-hmm. so much we don't control, so you need to manage those relationships so that the door is open for productive discussions, right? Of, of land sales or, <laughs> to your point, real estate right. agents. Who, who, what kind of leads you got for our community? That kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Um, I mean it it, it, it
1: actually ties into the solution oriented it actually ties into the solution oriented mindset right if if you have good relationships with with those people in your community or in your area it it helps you set the tone for a solution oriented approach whenever you have a project opportunity it's hard to do that if you don't know those people well enough to understand what their limitations are what their quirks are how they approach things so it, it it really just kind of reinforces the need to have those relationships if you if you really want to have a solution oriented mindset from a project perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely, great. Um, so Broderick, uh, one of our most popular uh, shows, we had uh, several economic developers on, and they were talking a bit about their their background and their history. So I'm going to delve a little bit uh, into that, and you know, wondering if you could walk us through. Um, a bit of your background. I understand that you started uh, with FEMA in New Orleans um, mm-hmm. and, and you've migrated now into you know one of the most powerful <laughs> private sector companies in, in the world that is very active in economic development. Maybe you could give us the, I don't know, the five or 10, the don't be shy, but the, Cole, the, the, we call it Cole's Notes in Canada. I think you call it a different notes in, uh, in, in the US, but uh, yeah, why don't you share your journey on how you got here today?
1: Sure um, yeah I mean as you mentioned uh, my career kind of started in the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans uh, doing some long-term planning work for FEMA um, that was not like 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 many economic developers I didn't you know wake up at the age of 13 and say I wanted to be an economic developer um, we all have different paths that lead to this and so mine was I had started grad school Hurricane Katrina hit. Everything got turned upside down. Um, FEMA was looking for people to add to this long term community recovery team. Uh, and I was fortunate to be a part of that because I was already on the ground there in, the, in New Orleans. And so that's really where it got started. We, we had a lot of work to do to try to come up with the, uh, the framework of a, of a long term plan to get Southeast Louisiana in particular kind of back up and running. So did that for a period of time and then transitioned over to city government uh, where I was working for a newly elected city council member. We, we still had this this um, mission, if you will, of helping that community recover and rebuild. Um, so did that for a while and then had an opportunity to go to Jacksonville, Florida, um, where uh, I joined uh, an economic development, regional economic development entity there. Uh, you know, I thought, Thought I was going to move to move to Jacksonville for three or four years and then come back home to Louisiana. Uh, ended up being in Jacksonville for about ten years, uh, and then uh, at the, right around the ten year mark is when I got an opportunity to join Amazon. So where I've been for the last three and a half years. Um, so that's the Cliff Notes version, if you will, of of sort of the career arc. There's obviously a lot more detail in in each stop, but um, that's really sort of how it how it went. I started off in this very really quirky. You know, federal government role uh, that most people didn't even know existed. This long-term community recovery planning that FEMA did uh, in in post-disaster environments. Just the scale was much larger. Uh, and then going over to work for the city and helping put together the framework for how do you you know st- continue to rebuild a community, uh, and then going over to doing regional economic development, which was you know the longest portion of my career, and then switching over to uh, the private sector side now at Amazon.
0: That's uh, that's great. Uh Della, if you wouldn't mind just muting your mic and then uh we'll we'll bring you up to speak in a moment. Um and I'm wondering like we're we're now in a we're I mean you're in a different role. You're probably in a highly expansive uh uh role, <laughs> but you know, from an economic developer's perspective, right? We're we're in recovery and resiliency, we're somewhere along the continuum. Any valuable lessons that you could share about resiliency and recovery uh, with our with our folks today, most of whom are economic developers?
1: You know, in New Orleans, um, we we had a saying that became very popular post Katrina um, was "soul is waterproof." Uh, there was a local T-shirt company that really got kicked off in the aftermath of the storm, and that became one of their best selling t-shirts. Uh, it's sold as Waterproof. I still have it to this day. It's one of my favorite t-shirts. And, you know, because this was my earliest experience of kind of dealing with, you know, the different elements of community development, there was a lot to learn in real time. You know, just think about the scope and the sheer magnitude of what was hap- of what happened and what needed to be addressed. It was overwhelming at times. Um, you know, the most important lesson I took from that was the value of really listening to the key stakeholders in the community and and being intentional about including them in the decision-making. Um, you know, a lot of times we had to you know, remain calm and, and humble in the face of this frustration and anger that people had. I mean, it was understandable. People had lost everything. Homes, they lost loved ones. They were displaced to every corner of this country. They were unsure about what was going to happen next to the place that they loved. And it was very tempting from a a recovery perspective to want to jump ahead and talk about all the wonderful ways that the region could be rebuilt. Um, But there's kind of nothing more humbling than having, you know, an 80 year old black woman point point at you in the face with her finger and talk about how the place that people wanted to talk about converting to green space was where her house was. So it, 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 you know, the the lesson was to, to, to not take things personally, um, to, to, and to really focus on the big picture of including people in the decision-making. It gets messy. Dealing with people is messy. Let's not kid ourselves. It it could slow, it can slow down the process. But what I found was the result was often, um, um, I'll say better for lack of a, a, another term. The result was better because it was inclusive, and it and it, it 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 tried to meet the the wishes of the people who lived in that space and wanted to return. And so, you know, this is a different circumstance dealing with COVID, but the idea of including people in the decision making, uh, no matter how wonky it can get sometimes, often leads to a better solution. It May not be the grand scale that somebody has sketched out somewhere of of, of what recovery looks like but you end up with a product that people can can move forward with um and that was the you know i walk in the door thinking hey we're gonna you know rebuild this area better stronger more efficient and it quickly became like can we get the power turned back on first you know can we fix the pothole in front of miss johnson's house uh let's really kind of ground it into the level of meeting people where they were at that particular point in time which was just basic survival
0: Thanks. Thanks for sharing. I, I can't imagine. Um, Della, uh, y- looks like you wanted to come up. Did you have a question for Broderick? And just to unmute your mic.
3: Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, just the, I, I just Broderick, what you just said was was absolutely beautiful, um, and I I wanted to ask a little bit about how you built. Those relationships. What you were saying, especially just now, you really just put a beautiful nail on it um, about the 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 wanting to do the big and the grand scale. And I come from urban planning before I did economic development, so I wow, I get that. Um, but your focus then turning to you know the community and building that community relationship. Messy though it may be, how did you how did you navigate that in the in the community space? Because certainly there, um, and ironically, I was just in Saint Bernard Parish, which is next door. Oh yeah, I was I was there two weeks ago for a IEDC reco- recovery grant okay. um, that was relating to the container port terminal that's in the news. Um, mm-hmm. But the degree to which that area was devastated, I think, is it's almost impossible even even now you when you look at the area, you start you could pick up on the on the the clues, mm-hmm. but the level to which that area was devastated is I think, beyond the comprehension of of most of us who weren't there. You're dealing with people in that in that situation who have gone through, as you said, enormous personal trauma. And then you're having this debate over the future. So how did you get that? um, How did you navigate between the the big grand vision and, and the needs of people on the ground?
1: Um, Thanks Della. We made a lot of mistakes, right? And, and so, You know, one of the things that we learned very quickly was that um, we were fortunate enough to have local people that were brought onto the team. We certainly brought in outside expertise, but we had a lot of local people who we spent the first several, I'd say weeks even, just kind of really helping the outside team members understand how South Louisiana Um, in particular Orleans Parish, St. Bernard Parish, Plaquemines Parish, where where our team was working specifically, um, how it operated and and what it meant to have people um, from the community be a part of the decision. So it started off with this very kind of top down, like, here's what we're gonna do. You know, we're, we're the experts, right? We were gonna come in and tell you guys what to do. But then it quickly turned into like, wait a minute, like we're not gonna move an inch if we don't get the parish president on board, if we don't get some of the local community leaders on board, there was a guy in Plaquemines Parish who was the like a deputy sheriff. And w- I, we quickly realized like once we got him on board, the rest of the community was going to follow because he lived, he was a third generation. So it, it was really just listening to the people directly. And so we had to look at like the optics of here's this team you know, we're the government. We're here to help, right? <laughs> and so you're walking in with, you know, very talented technical people, but they had to first understand what life was like before that storm hit in that area, and realize that that's what people wanted to go back to. Better was nice, but they really wanted to go back to what they had before. Um, so it was a lot of listening. It was a lot of, you know, um, Plaquemines Parish is split by the Mississippi River. So there was an entire east bank of Plaquemines Parish that felt like they were always overlooked and excluded from any decision-making that would go on in the parish. So our team decided like, we're going to host community meetings on the east bank in Plaquemines Parish. So th- those people don't have to figure out how to get across the river to come to Belle Chase in order to have a discussion. So it was things like that, um, that really gave us, um, we, we, we had an office in the, in the parish. We didn't make people come to New Orleans. We wouldn't we set up shop in that, in that community. We would regularly meet with the parish president and, and his leadership. Um, and you know, Plaquemines Parish is the first 90 miles of the Mississippi River. So you've got, you know, Bill Chase is near New Orleans, but you know, Venice is down at the mouth of the river. And so we literally worked our way up and down that entire parish, being very deliberate. It, it wasn't easy, and, it, and it, there were definitely some missteps at the beginning. But we were—we we made it clear that we were intentional, uh, and we wanted to be intentional to be to be in, to, to be inclusive. And it, it sound—it sounded like very like Pollyannish at the beginning, but like once people actually saw that our actions backed up our words, we made a lot of headway.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Really, super hands on, like hands on, and I'm sure you were both hands on and grassroots and in involving the people as well as strategic. But that's that's amazing, project. Thank, thanks for sharing. Um, we have Lee Mallow who came up. Lee, I don't know if you have a question or you wanted to engage, but I'll put it over to you for a moment. And you're yeah. Go ahead. Thank
4: you so much. Yeah, (laughs) thanks. Um, Loving the conversation and certainly appreciating hearing about your experiences, Broderick. And, you know, um, a lot of the communities that I've worked with um, that ended up going through a process of crises and rebuilding, also provided those crises also provided opportunities to uh, throw away old ways of doing things and bringing in new ways of doing in doing things especially around partnerships and opportunities to rebuild and reset in the communities i would love to hear from you Particularly related to opportunities where both the public sector and the private sector and the community all came together to help to rebuild um, around strategies and projects where you were able to sort of break the, those old molds. And it sounds like you've done a lot of that with this process and and really establish um, a reset and a new tone and a new direction for your community.
1: Yeah, thanks, Lee. It was. Um... You know, trying to to, to to come up with sort of new approaches, um, that's where it was really helpful for, for me in that role, because you know, this was early, early in my career, but to have a lot of really good expertise, uh, technical ex- expertise around us. Because um, what we were doing was creating this framework for what recovery could look like. So thinking about some of these communities um, and look, hey, you could be elevate. The homes, um, you know, could we talk about uh, other other ways to sort of rebuild a home better um, uh, from a from a, a safety perspective, right? Can you elevate it? What does that look like? Um, you know, what makes sense? Uh, were you talking about multi-generational? multigenerational? Same thing with structure. So, you know, how, how do you update building codes? How do you, you know, update just the way you physically do things? Um, Plaquemines Parish is just a, it's a fascinating place because so much of the southern part of it was built around kind of two things, oil and gas and fishing, both recreational and commercial. Um, And so, you know, understanding what those nuances were and could you find ways to help get those businesses that that wanted to recover um, to help them become more resilient, Uh, again, whether it's a a facility or infrastructure uh, to allow them to continue to operate. That was really the challenge. You're talking about a place that, Um, And and that was really determined to go back. But they knew that they had to reimagine what going back looked like. So that was both, you know, physical infrastructure, you know, roads, utilities, they were open to it. um, But it was it was still a lot of Okay, is is this going to delay me going back into my house, or is this you know is this going to how much more is this going to cost me in terms of rebuilding? was both from a personal residential perspective as well as from businesses. But what we what we tried to present were options um, to say like, look, here's a range of things that you that you can and should consider. Uh, we, we tried very hard not to dictate like, no, you have to do it this way. Um, otherwise, you're wasting an opportunity. That that, that, that approach wasn't going to fly.
0: Thanks. That was great. Lee, any follow up, or is that does that work for you?
4: Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks, Dan, and thanks, Broderick.
0: Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sort of speaking of New Orleans, you know, uh, you know, New Orleans, very tourism heavy community. Uh, obviously, it's a diverse economy, but uh, tourism heavy. What do you think uh, cities that are reliant on tourism should consider in light of the pandemic?
1: You know, that's a that's a really that's a really good question, because, you know, I think continuing to look for ways to diversify your economy is kind of like the in your face kind of answer. Right. Um, Because diversification has benefits in and of itself. It allows you to not necessarily take the lumps when one, when one industry, you know, drops down really far. Um, New Orleans is still, again, primarily a, a, a tourist location and has you know, been able to build, brand itself as that um, uh, really world, worldwide. And I'd say it's also an opportunity to evaluate how tourism will need to evolve as an industry. Um, so as you, as people get more comfortable going to events, what what sort of economy can you build around safety? Um, you know, because it, it, it's gonna it's gonna have to look different uh, as we go back. I mean, I, I, New Orleans has recently canceled Jazz Fest again. Um, a lot of the festivals that are normally like the big draws for the community are 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 really being looked at like, hey, can we afford to do this from a safety perspective? I think any community that that relies heavily on tourism. A, continue to diversify your economy, so that's the the first thing, but then figure out, like, what does does tourism look like for you short-term, medium, and then long-term? What has to change, if anything, and what are you willing to change in order to continue to be a tourist destination for certain things? Look, the Saints were always a big draw because the... Visiting, visiting teams love to come to New Orleans. They'd make, a, they'd make a long weekend out of it. So, you know, all right, if you want to continue that, what has to change in your community in order to accommodate people still showing up for whether it's a conference or a festival or a, a football game?
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think I, I, I like your two-prong approach. Um, Lee actually is based at a Calgary, and Calgary is an oil town. And and they've been working mm. on diversification for 20, 30 years. And it's a challenge, as you can appreciate. So absolutely diversification. Yeah. And then I'm going to paraphrase you, sort of diversifying your thinking and strategy. What What is tourism? What can tourism be? And how can it adapt to both these challenging times and whatever the future brings, right? Technology, et cetera. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, let's move on. Um, you, you mentioned that you spent uh, about a decade in the Jacksonville partnership. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the partnership uh, and then uh, maybe how it evolved over the, over the decade that you were there.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, JAXUSA is the private nonprofit regional economic development arm of the Jacksonville Chamber of Commerce. Um, and so, you know, the primary responsibility was, you know, the marketing and prospecting efforts in a, a seven county region in northeast Florida. So basically everything from the Georgia, Florida state line uh, all the way down to just above Daytona uh, uh, Beach. And so, um, you know, a lot of the outreach worked with folks like Jay Garner down in the audience and others um, to just create this pipeline of activity and create an environment where companies felt comfortable investing, either existing companies or certainly new ones to the market. Um, you know, one of the one of the biggest things that changed over time, uh, and when I joined the team, this was January of you know, 2008, it was actually called Cornerstone Regional Development Partnership, I'm kind of a mouthful there, right? It was a name that was well known in the region, um, but our stakeholders in the economic development marketplace told us, but the name really didn't resonate beyond Northeast Florida. Uh, you, know, you couldn't point to it on a map. There was no geographic reference associated with it. You know, it could be any sort of organization and we were missing an opportunity to give some indication of who we were and where we were with that initial contact. So in you know, 2009, 2010, uh, we embarked on this rebranding exercise to create a new identity. And so, like we knew there would be some friction potentially around using Jacksonville as the name with some of our regional partners, but we were very intentional about including them in the process. Uh, kind of going back to my earlier comments about you know just engaging with people and making sure they're part of the decision making. And the turning point was when we had like a group of site consultants uh, who were visiting the area, who pretty much kind of said like you you're going in the right direction by changing the name and rebranding yourself and making it more of a recognizable identifier so um we, we the, the, the collectively the team settled on a new name which which was which was going to reflect the city's airport code of j-a-x um and then the usa piece was more of um you know get that identifier for more international prospects of sort of where we were uh, easier to point to um you know we, we, we it, once we could settle on on the new name then then the task of Reimagining everything from the website to our marketing materials and everything else that came after that. But the, the, there was a very intentional um, uh, process of engaging our regional partners to make sure they were comfortable with going from a, a very generic name of Cornerstone uh, to uh, a Jacksonville centric, if you will, moniker of Jacks USA. That, that was definitely the biggest change that I saw in the time that I was there. And I would argue if you went back and, and kind of surveyed the regional partners and even like the local stakeholders in the community, they'd say it was, it was a change that was not only necessary, but the right change.
0: That's great. And um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of, of branding. And as you know, branding is, is difficult because it's expensive to get people's attention so yeah the yeah. the place is the place you're in jacksonville that's the place you're marketing there's already at least awareness and recognition and probably even you know geographic understanding of of where jacksonville is if nothing else so you're 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 already building on the you know sort of on the shoulders of of giants that step before you yeah. and then you're further defining what that means so i i think that's that's great um what uh what was the big difference? Biggest difference you saw going from you know a municipality to a regional economic development office?
1: Uh, the the need to work across boundaries, um, and and sort of the the value and the importance of building a regional identity and regional strength. Um, one of the first things that that really kind of hit me. Uh, switching to to Jacksonville when I started there was sort of this lesson of like dollars and people don't stop at lines on a map. And so, you know, really understanding what that means. So, you know, representing a, a region and being able to sort of position the region for success. Look, economic development is competitive. I think we all understand that but to the extent that if if there's a region that's come together to decide that that's how they wanna market themselves and it's how they wanna position themselves for opportunities, then those wins need to truly be defined as and understood as regional wins. That conversation is sometimes a little easier with economic development practitioners versus elected officials who, who are elected to represent a fixed geographic area. But it was really that lesson of a region can can add, there's more to gain than to lose by operating regionally, at least th- that, that was our approach. Our approach is we had, we had more to gain. Um, and so we, we, we set about doing it. It wasn't always sunshine and rainbows, but but certainly getting the teams to understand that we're out representing the entire Northeast Florida region. Every time we're in front of a company or a, a site consultant, our our push was to talk about the region. Now, at some point, a prospect's going to land somewhere within that region but if we're presenting the entire area as an opportunity for them to consider and then they begin to drill down on what what works best for them and then we talk about the regional draw for workforce and the other assets that are there um that's where we felt like we we had the best opportunity to to be successful
0: yeah i I couldn't agree more i've done both i've done municipal and I've, i've done regional and uh and again, with the regional, I had a similar experience with you keeping the brand name to the place on a map, mm-hmm. right? And then and then yep. let them land where they land. And yeah. uh, to your point, people, capital and businesses don't um, understand, they don't, borders don't matter to them. Yeah, um, Yeah. okay, yeah. great. Uh, super, so- well,
1: Look, there's a, there's a funny anecdote to that, yeah, right? Please. In, in, in that people who live in some of the surrounding counties uh, and, and this is almost for any major metro area where a lot of times, even though they may, I won't say bristle, but they may sort of not want to identify themselves to the major market. They tend to do it when they travel. They, they tend to talk <laughs> about like, oh, I'm so I'm so I'm southeast of Jacksonville or I'm, you know, northeast of Dallas. Like there, there's this there's this almost like you have to give someone a grounding point. And so you you use the major area as the grounding point, and then you can filter in and talk about your specific community, but th- there has to be an identifier. And so we decided to use, we, we were trying to make the case that, let's use it as a strength. Let, let, let's use it as something to be proud of, not to be ashamed of. And so if, if you of to outline communities, like use Jacksonville as that grounding point, and then pivot the conversation to your specific community to highlight the things that, that you want to talk about and focus on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's just so much power in collaboration and and uh, positioning yourselves as a strong face forward and then let the client decide or the investor decide. They want to be in yeah. that that part. There's a benefits for me in that industrial park or that community or, or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you're now at, at Amazon, which is, you know, just sort of, this incredible <laughs> entity that just keeps growing and growing. Um, you know, what were the main skills that you took from Jacksonville and from, you know, municipal and FEMA and uh, regional economic development? And now you're in the, the private sector. Maybe even before you do that, help us understand, like, wh- what does an economic development professional do at a private corporation? And then maybe talk about your skills and how you have applied them, if, if that works for you.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's a it's a peculiar p- p- a peculiar setup in that um, you know we we work on you know different categories of projects. So it may be fulfillment, it may be retail, but it's you know we're, we're out working with our real estate teams and 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 sort of our internal mechanisms to identify locations for new projects. Um, and and trying to work with those jurisdictions to understand, you know, what are the things we need to be mindful of? Um, I call it clearing the runway for projects. Um, And so what's interesting about that is as the growth has sort of grown, has been over the last, you know, three or four years, it's really zeroing in on on, on, on regions and getting to know the local stakeholders in those regions really well so that, um you know we can understand sort of what are the what are the community's goals um and and, you know do we fit into that uh helping them understand the things that we're trying to accomplish uh really looking at you know what what are the the foundational elements that we're examining uh for any type of project that we're working on um and so from 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 a from a, a transferable skill perspective like i i understand the challenges that local economic developers are facing, and so I can come in and kind of speak the same language, and not um, have to sort of take it from a, um, a, a purely like, oh, this is just the company perspective. Like I understand where they're coming from, um, and so I, I I try to I try to speak to that. I, I try to really give them an opportunity to say, like, tell me what's going on in your community. What are your challenges? What are your you know What are your hurdles? What are the things that are keeping you up at night? because it, it matters to me because I've been I've been in that position and so I, a lot of times when people hear my background they go like oh, okay like, like you get it right and and so I have a lot of empathy uh, but I'm also able to sort of uh, live in that space in between a private sector company and a, a, and, a, and, a, and a and a public you know facing economic development organization
0: that's great I, I can imagine the the comfort that economic development folks uh, have when, you know, you're, you're basically one of them uh, and and come at it from both. Obviously, you have a corporate responsibility, but you also have an understanding mm-hmm. about how communities work and economic development agencies work, et cetera. So, yeah, that must be that must also warm them up to not, not that people wouldn't be warmed up to Amazon, uh, but it also must warm them up, you know, to who you're representing, which which is important.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting to see. Um, I mean, th- there is this recognition, I'll call it, of like, okay, like, like this guy understands, right? Um, Everyone, we all know we have jobs to do. I know they have a job to do, they know they know I have a job to do. But my, my approach again is, is you know, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. And so let's talk about the things that are, that are gonna be tricky in this particular scenario. Or, you know, maybe there's an existing facility that's there in the community. Um, and, you know, I don't know the history of it because m- maybe I didn't work on that project, but for me to understand like what's been the experience there and to kind of ask those key questions that I would ask if I were on the other side of the table, to be prepared to answer those in a real meaningful way, a lot of times cuts right through to the chase of like, here's here's where we can have some success Here's where there's going to be some pushback, and here's an opportunity to kind of work together. Um, p- presuming they want the, t- the they, they they want to pursue the project, but like if that's the case, then again, it's let's let's find a solution to what we're both trying to accomplish.
0: Great, thanks. Uh, that, yeah, no, absolutely. Now we've got Super Dave up, who you know has a much different but some similar backgrounds. You know, Dave, uh, I think you have experience and understanding on representing regions, and then also, you know, are an economic development, uh, working kind of like Broderick in a way, but, but very differently. Do you want to share any of your thoughts or experiences, either to echo what's hap- what how Broderick is sharing, or if you have a different experience, we'd love to hear that too.
5: Yeah, no, Broderick, um, I love what you were saying about, you know, the disaster, because I had an opportunity, um, and it feels weird saying that, but to work in Bastrop when they uh, faced the uh, Bastrop fires back in 2011, <clears throat> and it was a lot of resistance to this. You know, oh, we're going to come back and build back better, and, and the community really just said, no, I just want my community back. I, you know, I don't need better; I just need my community. And and there was a lot of trust building. Um, I saw a lot of people come in and say, okay, I'm going to do this for you. And there was a lot of pushback because they didn't understand. They weren't there before and they didn't understand what the community really wanted. And there was a lot of frustration from the outside saying, hey, we're here to help. And yet, you know, you're sort of having thrown up this resistance. And it was because they weren't coming in with the attitude of let me listen and understand what it is you need and want and, and not my perception of what that is for you. So, you know, what you were saying there really did hit home. And uh, I think that so often we want to go in and we want to help, but we skip the step of listening and understanding the people who we're trying to help. And this doesn't just happen in disasters, but anytime uh, we don't really listen to what it is people want or need. And and we just think we're trying to help. And and so I think that was really good. Um, And uh, yeah, you know, it is a little interesting to um, go from representing one place To multiple places and understanding and getting people to buy into the concept that, um, you know, if we can just get them here, then we can, you know, then you can pivot, right? So I represent uh, communities all across Texas, over 60 communities. And I get that question a lot of, you know, how do I navigate that? But my job isn't to make decisions for the company. My job is simply to make the connection between the company and their best alternative in our state. I'm not, you know, I don't persuade them where they should go, northeast, south, or west. I'm just making that connection and connecting people. And when you said early on that it was a contact sport, you're exactly right. Um, And so, you know, our roles, my role as a regional representative or a statewide representative is in that and not necessarily, uh, you know, trying to convince them that, you know, one Metroplex or one rural town is better than another, but simply saying, here's the person who can help you make that decision and you don't have to do it by yourself. And, and, uh, you know, streamlining the process of information and getting them into, you know, uh, bite size or or consumable pieces is really important. So, um, yeah, it's a great conversation, and and a lot of the points that you made resonated really well. So thank you for sharing today. Thanks. Thanks,
0: Dave. Uh, Sure thing. Great. Um, All right. We've got a a, a, second. Uh, seven or eight minutes left couple more questions Broderick. um what are some of the biggest differences you have experienced um between the public sector and being a private edo and i can't hear you oh, damn just a sec
2: you're kind of cutting out
0: yeah just a sec i lost power <laughs>
5: Hey Roger, while we're waiting on Dan, do you have you seen like your insight on the economic development side help your real estate folks on on that side to be able to give some of the mindset of why we think the way we think or why we're positioning things the way we think? Have you been able to see that? And- it's
1: um, it's a process. It's um, you know I often joke with that with that team and say that. For them, they have the the luxury, and I use that in air quotes, the luxury of it being a relay race, right? They do their part, they hand it off to the next team. Whereas in economic development, you know, it's a marathon with hurdles and hoops of fire and alligators and all kind of other, you know, threats and challenges. But it's, you know, we we get the opportunity, I would say, to think long term and to think strategically. So really trying to explain to the internal teams of, to your point, you know, why, why economic developers think the way they do, why the approach is what it is, like that's something that I, I, I try to just kind of whittle away at it um, and just say like, hey folks, you know, let me explain at least my philosophy and my approach and, and let that kind of guide, hopefully guide them in their interactions um, but I also, also make it very clear, look, I'm not trying to get in the way. I'm not trying to slow you down. I'm just trying to help you get the full insight of what it is that we're dealing with in any community that we're operating in. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a dialogue.
5: And do you think um, one of the challenges I have is, you know, the business people are, are looking at it from a strictly business decision. Mm-hmm. And when you're making those decisions on a community basis, it is not. You know, it's not always this is a slam dunk business decision, but from an emotional and community mindset, there's a lot more factors that go into it. And so it's it can be, you know, pretty frustrating for the business side to, to sort of get that. And it takes a little time to, to kind of wrap their minds around it.
1: It does. It is. Um, it's a challenge, but it's but it's one of those things where, you know, again, like what outcome are we trying to achieve? And and so you know what's the risk, right? Is is the risk of kind of jeopardizing a relationship with a community because there's a better than fair chance we're going to have another project there. So you know, are, are we going to run the risk of alienating a community knowing we've got something else potentially in the pipeline? Like that's a risk that may not be worth taking. But the 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 the, the data may tell you it is because you're trying to add a certain capacity in a in an area. When the reality may be, you know what? It may take us a little bit longer to get this done, but the the long term win is where we get the success, right? Like it's the, it's, the, it's, it's the it's the it's the again it's, you know, it's, it's the marathon, it's the marathon. Like let, let's let's think about what our footprint could be in this county, for example, over the next two or three years, and and let's not get fixated on we have to blow everything up to get this one
5: project across the finish line. Man, that's great. That's great information there. Roderick, is there one like when you're looking at economic developer? You know, what's the one little takeaway that we could all be better if we just did? You know, the one percent better in working with companies like Amazon and others. I mean, you know, we're not all fortunate to be able to work those kind of projects, but when they do Mm -hmm. come along, what's the one thing we could all be better at that would just make us? You know, like I said, just that one little marginal gain that really would make a lot of difference.
1: This is going to sound really hokey, but I think, it, t- I t- think me, it's, <laughs> okay. it's just like be true to your community where they are at a given point in time. And, and what I mean by that is, look, it's great to be aspirational, but you are who you are at a given point in time. So oh, like oh, own up to the things that aren't working well and acknowledge them. and and and, but but talk about things you're doing to work on it right like it's it's be true to who you are as a community and so sometimes the deals you don't do end up being the best deal so just be be truly be true to your community and 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 not don't be afraid to to stick to that because i think a lot of times there's this pressure of like oh we we have to get a win we have to get a project. We have to have a success for any, any number of reasons. But if it's not the right thing for your community at that time, not pursuing it may be the best long-term win for yourself. Um, and, and that's hard to do. Like, I get it. Like, that, that, is, that is difficult. But that, that's the, probably the one thing I would say to kind of to tell everyone is just be true to who you are as a community at, at a particular point in time
5: man i love it uh dan i'm gonna hand it over to you i hope i did i was just trying to save you there you back Dave,
0: on? you're you awesome uh lee <laughs> did the same thing for me uh, a few months ago on a zoom call when i was having technical problems my my internet went down so i'm just on my cell which is fine um broderick this has been amazing got a few more questions but we're, we're coming up on the end of time so i noticed that ryan uh, has come up on stage I'm probably gonna let him ask the last question, and then we're gonna wrap up. Over to you, Ryan.
6: Yeah. Well, thank you. First of all, Broderick, thanks for all the uh, I mean, for all the the info that you presented, and I find that you're in a very interesting position because the thing is that now you're working for that big company that all the all the you I mean all the all communities are trying to lure, and you said something very interesting in the sense that. Amazon is not for everyone. It's not for every single community. Every, everyone wants it, but every community is different, and they have this, this sh- they ought to know their their own uh, their own own values and objectives, uh, and not uh, and not always strive for that one big company because sometimes it might not be uh, the best thing for for your community. Um, and uh, I and. Uh, but but uh, so sorry, like I, I kind of got, got lost by my initial question. It was, uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, <laughs> my initial question. I kind of forgot it. But uh, but no, thanks a lot for all the, the input that you gave. Um, and yeah, I, th- I thought it was very. Uh, you mean, you gave a lot of uh, a lot of in- in- insightful things. Um, Sorry, but in my initial question, I completely lost it. So no worries. No, yeah. problem, it, it, yeah, it,
0: no problem, Ryan. No problem. It happens. I'm a lot older than you. I thought it only happened to this old guy. So uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now maybe it's a human thing, not an age thing. So <laughs> good to hear. Broderick, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time sure. and, and sharing your story. Um, it was a great chat. Uh, thankful for... Lee and Della and Dave and Ryan to chime in and then the others that came and listened. Um, sure. Wishing you the best of luck in Amazon. I'm sure it's going to be a yeah, heck of you. a ride, and uh, and it's so exciting just to see how powerful and 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 growth oriented that company is, and and how they're um, using folks like you that understand communities and reach down to. You know like even that the micro level uh which some of your experience maybe even from new orleans right where you're dealing with individuals and taking your economic development experience so
1: yeah no thank you i mean look thanks thanks for having me i i I really you know this this was fun uh just getting the chance to kind of talk a little bit about what my experience has been um and and kind of reflecting on it a little bit because I've, i've watched this evolution of economic development as a profession and so it's um nice to see it continue to evolve and platforms like this are, are great to have for people to come together and kind of share ideas so thanks for having me i appreciate it
0: great have a great day everybody thanks uh we've got thanks. a casual conversation uh, bring your topic on friday 3 p.m eastern time see you then and next week same time same bat channel take care guys bye-bye thanks